good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Back with you, hour two of the show, off and running with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team. Beaver's here. I'm here. Thank you all for being here. You can uh, be a part of the show. Text me or call me. Text me on the country, please, and text line. The number, 885-3776. Got it? 601 number, 885-3776. Seven six. You can also call me on the Divini phone, the Divini Equipment phone line. Number to call 995-1059-601-995-1059. Love to hear your voice today. We had a good time on Reaction Monday. We had a bunch of phone calls and texts and comments, more than we could shake a stick at. Patches O'Houlihan texted us earlier in the show, and he said, after an intense reaction Monday, how about a reflection Tuesday? <laughs> We've had a little bit of that going on. Uh, we, we, we have. Also, um, I'll pick this up. It's at the end of the first hour, Denzel sent me something that it's, it was kind of mind-boggling. I didn't realize it was this dominant. But there were questions, okay, well, who's going to win? How bad is Alabama going to beat LSU and all this kind of stuff? And as you break the game down, you, you, you take any of sort of the, the intangible stuff out of the conversation. You just look at the tangible, look at the two teams. You, you, know, you feel like it's probably a quarterback advantage for LSU. Um, from a matchup standpoint, I'm not sure the matchup favors Alabama as much as maybe their – matchup against Tennessee and their matchup against Ole Miss. But still, I mean, they held Ole Miss to 10 points. If they're capable of doing that, they're certainly capable of holding LSU down too. But the one thing I jumped on was, you know, there's the saving factor. And without looking up numbers or anything like that, <laughs> I just said, it's this thing of Saban loses to a team one year. He ain't losing to them the next year, let alone the same quarterback and same coach and stuff. That just doesn't happen. Right? We saw it earlier this year with Tennessee. They lose to Tennessee last year on the road. They come back this year, beat them at home in Tuscaloosa. Same thing. They lost to LSU on the road last year. Now they're going to host LSU. And you just feel like the saving factor is the deciding factor, really. like It's hard to go against that. So Denzel sent this. He said that if LSU beats Alabama this weekend, then Jaden Daniels is going to become only the second quarterback to beat Saban in back-to-back years Drew Brees did it at Purdue when Saban was at Michigan State. (laughs) It's just mind-boggling. And Rex, you're exactly right. Rebel Rex here on the country-pleasing text line. He said when Ole Miss beat Alabama those two years, it was Bo Wallace, then Chad Kelly in 14 and 15. So it was the same team but not the same quarterback. And he said not many teams have even beaten Alabama back-to-back. That's from Rebel Rex. And you're right. And you know what, Rex? If we were to track it back, I, you know, there's no way to quantify this. I'm not even really sure it's uh, it matters all that much anymore. But I remember seeing all that happen. You had Freeze at Ole Miss. 
He beats him in 14. Bo Wallace is his quarterback. Remember that one. And, and Sinquez Golson had the pick at the end of the game, right? And then the next year you go and you create five turnovers and you bounce one off a helmet for a touchdown and beat him with Chad Kelly over there. Beat him in 14 and 15, which was unheard of during that stretch for Alabama. Just unheard of. And Freeze and Ole Miss beat him two years in a row, home and away, with two different quarterbacks. It was just unheard of. And, you know, Freeze running that style of offense that he ran that he kind of always has is just the wide open spread. Um, almost like an early iteration of the type of spread that Lane Kiffin now has developed. And, you know, he installed and ran at Alabama, and now he's running so well at Ole Miss. Where it's so much lateral and spread a defense out and – you know, the defense can never be right, and so much RPO and so many smart throws and so many smart runs is constantly keep you off balance. You get a quarterback who you can make it happen. But anyway, yeah, going back to that, what I was going to say, Rex, is I remember thinking back then, okay, at that time Auburn couldn't beat them, and Auburn, the times they did have any success at all against Alabama was just because, you know, they had guys like Nick Marshall who could really fly. But they couldn't throw it consistently. And what we said was, you watch. People are going to feel like Freeze printed something out here that's the key. Here's the game plan of how you beat a Nick Saban Alabama team. And is you got to have an NFL quarterback can throw it all over the field. To heck with trying to run the ball on them. You're not. You better have a guy that can make throws. And right after that, you remember Auburn – who under Malzahn had always wanted to have guys that were kind of dual threat and had had some success with Nick Marshall. They, for the first time, went and transferred in the quarterback from Baylor, who was a big-time passer. And I'm who, What was his name? Stidham? Was that Stidham who transferred in there from Baylor, or, am I, or was it an earlier guy? I can't remember the name. I think it was Stidham. But it was like you could see Auburn going, okay, we want to do what they've done and that is have some success against Alabama, we're going to have to have a dude that can throw it all over the field and go recruit some receivers and let's go. To heck with this balance run pass stuff. It ain't going to work against them. <laughs> um, Rex says Clemson um, twice and the same quarterback, maybe not back-to-back year. See, that's it, Rex. We might look it up, but I don't – yeah, Deshaun Watson, but I don't know that it was back-to-back years. But, you know, a transcendent type of college quarterback uh, for sure. But good point on that. Really good point. Jason in Flagstaff with a question. Matt, how many defensive players did State lose last year? And of those, how many have had at least a cup of coffee in the NFL? Tried looking it up last night found four just drafted and signed free agents. Yeah, it's a handful, right? Okay, first-round corner, you start there, Forbes. And Forbes got off to a really good start the first couple of weeks in the NFL and then sort of got exposed and struggled so bad that they have sort of benched him in Washington. And, you know, he's still playing, but it's like I I read an interview where he said, you know, I talk with the coaches and we all agree I just need a reset, you know. And I don't know, it's tough for him. But at any rate, Great player in college. You know, teams just stayed away from him. So a first-round corner, you lose him. Okay, a draft pick defensive tackle who's playing for Seattle. 
and Cam Young. Okay, you lost Randy Charlton, who I don't think Randy's played in an NFL game yet, but he's been on the practice squad for the Dolphins all year. Tyrus Wheat, who is up on the 53 with Dallas. Practice squad guy who's now on the 53 with Dallas. So he's playing in the NFL. You know, elite pass rushing linebacker. It's kind of a bigger linebacker. Kind of a line of scrimmage linebacker, right? Him. Okay, and then you had Jalen Green, who was like a fifth-year safety Texas transfer at one safety. Uh, Colin Duncan, who I don't know what happened to Green, but I know that Duncan is on a practice squad, isn't he? Who is it? The Rams, I think. Um, And I'm sure there's probably some that I'm leaving off here. Someone that I'm leaving off. I just can't think of who it would be uh, off the top of my head. Maybe there's one more. Maybe not, but that's kind of about where it is. So, Jason, here's what it is. Those are all impact guys, right? I mean, all those players I just mentioned were starters for you at their positions for a reason. But the players who you had coming back, the the collective of experience you had coming back on defense led me and everybody else to believe that there shouldn't be that huge of a drop-off. When, you know, you, you lose Cam Young to the draft, but you're returning Pickering, a healthy Crumity. You didn't have Crumity for the entirety of last year. He was injured early. Um, the two young guys that are really the two most talented defensive tackles, Trevion Williams, Dinkins. Well, guess what? You've played pretty much the whole year without either one of those backup defensive tackles, Dinkins and Williams. Williams out for the year. You're hoping you get Dinkins back at some point. They haven't played since I don't know when, week one. And that's huge. It is. That's big for that defense. It is. Um. You know, I don't know that. I don't know that you really replaced. You know, any of the production from three main guys from last year, and that is Forbes at one of the corners, and then two edge players in Charlton and Tyrus Wheat. I think what it looks like is if you look, I just don't think you've replaced the. The, the production that those players gave you last year, and that's probably a big reason why the numbers are so skewed. And for the record, you know, we were talking about pass completion percentage numbers for State's defense yesterday. We looked a few of them up. Well, in case you missed it, I went ahead after the show and did the research and tweeted it. Okay, so if you go look at my t- Twitter slash X feed, I'm Radio Wyatt. There's a one from yesterday that says, Opposing completion percentage versus the Hale State defense per season, 2,000 to, to current. So going all the way back to 2,000. And to summarize it for you, from 2000, the year 2000 to 2022, State has never had a defense that in a season, an entire season, allowed more than 64.5% completions against it. That was the the most. This year they're sitting there giving up 72.8% completions. It is not only – and then we got, we got ways to go. We got more games to go, okay, to their credit. I mean, so it may not end up over 70. We'll see. But that's not just a little step back in terms of your efficiency – 
playing pass defense. That number right there is just a total collapse of any pass defense. When when and think about it, from 2000 to 2022, how many coaches? Cheryl, Croom, Mullen, Moorhead, Leach. In that 22 season span, you got five different head coaches, a multitude of defensive coordinators. From three win seasons to 10 win seasons, mixed in all in between, all across the spectrum. And over more than 20 years, state's defense giving up completion percentages anywhere from mid 60s at the very most a couple times all the way down to 40s and 50% against you a whole bunch across 20 years. And right now you're eight games into this year and you're giving up over 72% completions to your opponents. And if you just factored in the quarterbacks who've played the most snaps against you, it's a much higher number than that. So I don't, I can't, it is such a drastic drop-off in terms of pass defense that I'm not smart enough to decide for what it is. What I know is this. Yes, teams throw the ball more now. You know, you've certainly had more seasons where opponents completed better than 60% against your defense recently than you did 10, 15 years ago, for sure. Teams do throw up more now. Maybe that's the whole 7-on-7 thing coming into fruition. I don't know. But. I know this. You didn't just go from, for 22 years, the types of defensive personnel that could force teams to complete 50 to 60% of their throws to now all of a sudden this year, you don't have the personnel to do that. Y'all, that's not the issue. So what exactly the issue is, it is such a steep and precipitous just collapse of pass defense that I can't I don't I can't identify. I'm not smart enough to identify. I'm really not. I, I also know that it is not an exaggeration, just like I touched on yesterday. They have offensive issues. We could point I could probably point out some things offensively as just as startling as this is defensively. But this is what I'm stuck on right now. And just like I said yesterday. It is not an exaggeration, not a throwaway description to say, I've never seen anything like it. Let's see the season play out. Maybe they improve defensively. and We'll look at the end of the year and opposing completion percentage is back where it should be at about 60%, you know, on average. But, Think about how far they'd have to go in these last few games to get there. We're eight games in, and opponents are at 72, rounded up to 73% completions against you. What it says is, you cannot get off the field. You can't even, you have a hard time forcing incompletions. I've never seen anything like it. You'd be hard-pressed to find any SEC team 
with a defense in its history that had a season given up a complete given up completions at that rate. So it, it's tough to talk about without sounding almost just mean. And and I certainly don't want to do that. I don't mean to do that. Mississippi State. Is, is last in the country in completion percentage defense. Out of 130 teams, Mississippi State is 130. Um, Vanderbilt is 125th. Their defense gives up 68.8% completions. Vanderbilt's five points better. So, I reckon that point's been made. <laughs> I reckon that point's been made. Um, Jason agrees. He's on the country-pleasing text line. He says, yeah, I didn't expect the defense to be that bad either. Just scratching my head trying to make sense of it doing a complete 180 in one year. It doesn't add up to me. See, that's the thing to me, Jason. When you brought up, the players that State lost off last year's team, and, we, and if we're honest about it, a first-round corner in Forbes, a draft pick defensive tackle in Cam Young, um, Charlton at one pass rusher, um, Duncan at another pass rusher who are pract- – uh, at a. am sorry. Well, Charlton and Duncan, two more players who they are practice squad guys in the NFL – and then Tyrus Wheat, who was practice squad, who's moved up to the 53 for the Cowboys. That's five guys that, you know, three of them are playing in the NFL, two of which are on practice squads off last year's team. But what I'm saying is, even for State, that's not all that unusual. To lose, you know, a handful of guys to draft NFL, and you do that kind of every year. You just have. And so whether it's recruiting or development, but more than likely a combination of the two, there's always a, a restocking the shelf, so to speak, at these SEC schools. You're one of 13. I know there's 14 schools, but you're really one of 13 you know, football-driven schools in the SEC you can recruit and replace, and State has done it as well, you know, especially on defense. When you look at State's defensive players in the NFL and the, the period of time that they span across, go all the way back to 2010. So we're talking 13 seasons ago. And it's like every year it's NFL defensive tackles and some linebackers, you know, defensive backs and corners, and every year you develop, you recruit and you develop. And you come in and their production is there and maybe – you put it together. I, I've never seen something like this to this point. I couldn't believe it yesterday. I'll be honest with you, Jason. I had not looked up those numbers. I knew what I was looking at here, which is at times unexplainable. But I didn't go and actually look up the numbers. And on the live stream yesterday, Will, he's on YouTube, he went and looked it up because we mentioned 2000. Somebody had texted me and asked about 2016 because you remember the 16 defense was so bad. First year, one year defensive coordinator Peter Sermon, and then he was out of there. Well, you go back and look it up. And I, I'm, we, didn't do, we didn't do yards or total defense or points. I, you know, I don't know. 
But I just know from a pass defense standpoint, as bad as that defense was, across that entire season in 2016, that defense allowed 61.6% completions for opposing quarterbacks. 61. That's 2016. That was that defense that when it happened, we were going, man, this is rough. And as soon as Todd Grantham walked in the building, it immediately changed the defense <laughs> on, on really kind of both levels. The next two years under Grantham, those a lot of those same players, they only gave up 50 and 55% completions, went down 10 and 5% the next two years under Grantham. And 16, as bad as it was, the defense as a whole was giving up 61, rounded up to 62% completions. This is at 73 this year. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. I mean, it's at times... It's never been easier on opposing quarterbacks. <laughs> and it's just, I can't, I, I can't figure it out. I really can't figure it out. All right. Happy Halloween. More with you coming up. I'm Matt. Stick around. And now with us in the Bureau to help us celebrate Halloween, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer inspired. Check them out at cspire.com. She is the homecoming queen. Hello, Annabeth. Hello. Hey, Beaver. Hey, Annabeth. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. If I was there, I would have brought you a cookie. I just brought Matt an iced pumpkin cookie. Yeah, I got it. Uh, pumpkin cookie beaver but you know what she gave me last night hmm. my own box of christmas tree little debbies i did <laughs> and then today the great pumpkin left matt some candy corn yeah and what else uh, oh the peanut butter m ms yep peanut yeah. butter m ms yeah we're just we're killing it over here with nutrition aren't we <laughs> 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 we yeah what was it? We are killing it. Oh, Beaver, we I showed are. her the video you sent me on Saturday of the dip they were making with the Christmas tree cakes. Where did you see that? Uh, just on, oh, someone sent it to me on Instagram. Beaver, I cannot get behind that. Why are they ruining all those little Christmas cakes? <laughs> they're made, no, it, they're <laughs> sacrificing them for the greater good <laughs> to make delicious dip i can't imagine it being that those cakes being any better than they already are okay let me see from memory it was cream cheese and okay they took christmas tree cheese, little though. debbie's put them in a bowl yeah all right chopped them up 
Then they put in cream cheese and like sugar and milk. I mean, and started beating it into this batter. And then they pour in whipped cream and start, you know, whipping it. So you got this nice fluffy whipped it's probably stuff. Really, it's probably really good. Let's let's admit it. And they're dipping cookies, uh, Nilla wafers, and cookies in it. <laughs> let's, it, let's dip our cookies into a Christmas cake. Beaver sent that to me, and I sent back that after I watched it. I was like, it looks good. I said, but how fat are we? Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> hey, you know what Beaver told me? He goes, I was just impressed that you responded to that during the football game on Saturday. <laughs> oh, Beaver, that's a big deal. He'll respond only to a certain few during a commercial break or something. That's a big deal. That's- that's what he told me yesterday. That's I good. felt good inside. You should. That's big status there. That's big time. Well, um, hey, I'm sorry we're talking about Christmas stuff on Halloween, Halloween, but let's face it. Tomorrow it's time to decorate for Christmas. Oh, wait. What about Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving. I don't really have a lot of Thanksgiving yeah. decor. Yeah. I mean, I have a little turkey, and we have our pumpkins out. You know... I, I like. I rush the season, don't I? No, I don't. I wouldn't say rush it. Well, I mean, well, if you rush it, everybody rushes it. Well, you know, oh, we saw Christmas decorations in town today. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially know. stores. I mean, they're yeah. ready for people to shop their Christmas stuff. That's it. That's it. Well, Beaver, yeah. Beaver, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> which Which part? I can tell. Because I, I can tell Beaver does not want to start getting ready for christmas tomorrow well i stopped listening to you after you said tomorrow it's okay to decorate for christmas i was like wait a minute how how can is there any way i can turn off her mic you you know why i have christmas on the brain and especially early this year i'm just going to be honest with you Mary Liddy is in the Nutcracker, and we are Nutcracker 24-7. The music, all of it, she's practicing. We've, we've been putting out posters all over town today, so we're really extra Christmassy early this year. No, we will not get our Christmas tree out tomorrow, Beaver. <laughs> but we will get it out in November. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's coming out in November for sure, and I'm okay with that. We we have a lot of nutcracker decorations around the house for Christmas. Yeah, we do. And see, well, and Mary Liddy collects. She gets one each year. Yeah, and and that's new to me. We didn't have that stuff growing up, so I like all of that. But I do love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. I'm not trying to overlook Thanksgiving. Yeah. But I don't think it's terrible to have Thanksgiving and there's a Christmas tree up, Beaver. <laughs> no, just yeah, do it. You know, do it maybe the day before thanksgiving <laughs> don't Here's, do it on november 1st Annabelle. i won't we hey we're not organized enough to do that so don't worry that's not happening <laughs> we're getting circle it but i do have to take it when i can get it as far as getting the tree like getting everything that i need help with because matt's so busy during football during november and so i'm like hey could we please try to do this on this night on this week and he's like yes yep well so everybody gets so busy hey and i will admit so you know, I was at my mom's house in uh, Wetumpka, Alabama, uh, this past weekend. I stayed with her before and after the Auburn game, before driving back to Mississippi. And what did you just call the state? Mississippi. I said it. I just did it I really felt quickly. Like you left a syllable out, and that bothers me. I don't think I said Mississippi. Yeah. I said Mississippi, but it might have run together. Okay. But I decided to step into her garage and just look, see what was. You know, in there and how we're 
because she she keeps a pretty clean garage. And I stepped in there, and you know what I saw? The Christmas tree, her Christmas tree from last year, is standing up in the Christmas tree holder in the garage. It's just got a big, you know, like uh, bag over it. Oh no! It's already decorated. <laughs> That's no fun. It is ready to go. Like that it's been sitting there sad. the whole time. All we gotta do is move it in, take the bag off. Boom! That we're is, we're good. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> I feel like it's fun to decorate every year. <laughs> she she had actually two or three in there. Um, and, and I'm gonna I, this morning I saw a little, you know, pre lit. Teeny tiny desktop Christmas tree. And I thought you have, I'm gonna, you have a tree. I know. I thought I'm gonna buy it for the office. And then I remembered I have one. Charlie Brown. I have the Charlie Brown Christmas tree that's all bent over with one. I got to go take it outside and take the blower and blow the dust off of it. But I've also well, got to replace the batteries. It plays the Charlie Brown music, but you hit it now and it's like. And what would we do without Charlie Brown on all the holidays? I know. I mean, I love the Halloween. We'll watch that tonight. Yeah. We kind of have a tradition. We always watch the. Yeah. Great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. On Everybody's Halloween. gonna freeze their fannies off trick or treating tonight. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little, little cold. Um, not only is it Halloween, but it is also National Caramel Apple Day. Oh, okay. We, the Wyatts, are big fans of the caramel apples. Yeah. From. Um, the Chocolate Factory. Chocolate Factory in Vicksburg. Yeah, it's so good. They're so good. And the only negative about the Chocolate Factory is that there isn't one in Tupelo. Yeah. Is but, there one uh, in Jackson? I wonder if Beaver could go. Beaver, you know what we're talking about? Chocolate Factory? I don't... It's a... Is it a chain? Have, it's a chain. Well, we have something I at the outlets in Pearl called Rocky Mountain Chocolate That's it. Factory. That's it. Okay. Yeah. It's so good. They are so good. There's one in There's one in Vicksburg. It's been there for several years, and Matt and I love to go get a caramel apple. I'm telling They're you. They're so delicious. And you feel okay about it because it's an apple. Yeah, it's a fruit. Hey, just dip it in everything else. <laughs> Fruits and veggies. <laughs> <laughs> just dip this apple in the Christmas cake yeah. dip. Yeah. Um, okay, last thing to get into, sports-related. And unless something comes up, Homecoming Queen and Little Homecoming Queen will be with me at the Mississippi State-Kentucky game this weekend because we are having a reunion for the 1998 SEC Western Division Championship football team. Which will be fun for you. Get to see some of the old, some of the boys. Um, now, you, what, tell me about the first time, Annie, that you met Jackie Sherrill. Remember? No, I can't you, remember. You don't remember? Maybe I remember, it was your last reunion, maybe. No, it was before that. It was a it was, um, it was 2008. We had a reunion in 08 for the 98 You've had team. several. Yeah, you've had several. And I remember, because your mother was such a big Ole Miss fan all those years, you called her afterwards and said, Mother, yes. I met the Prince of Darkness. The Prince of Darkness. Beaver. Which is the nickname Ole Miss fans gave him. Beaver, that's what I was always taught, that Jackie Sherrill was the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> and he's a great guy. And then, let me just tell you, <laughs> let me tell everybody. He couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> couldn't have been and his wife. I mean, they're, they're the sweetest people. And now I'm friends with his wife on Facebook. They're so kind. <laughs> and I do remember, too, um, you, you met him and you said, he has the biggest hands I have ever seen on a human being. Matt, I'm serious. You know, you're 6'6". Six, six. My dad is 6'5". Um, Y'all are big guys. You've got bigger hands. <laughs> his hands, though. <laughs> And they're thick. They're like a catcher's mitt. They are thick. They're, they're, I just remember 
that first time I shook his hand, I thought, gosh. And I, I looked guarantee down, you. His hands are really big. I guarantee you his ring size is twice mine. Yeah, I would. Guarantee it. I would believe it. And, uh, yeah, but, he was nice as he could be. Yeah, they are. And y'all will all get together and get yeah. to see each other over the weekend. Right. And, you know, it's really neat. And, and a lot of the, what it is, a lot of the old linemen are now the skinny guys. And a lot of the old skill players are the <laughs> fat guys. What I'm saying is, like the last time we got together, which was 2018, uh, and I think it was the Egg Bowl, maybe. I don't know what it was. Wait a minute, 18? Yeah. I don't think so. Was 20, it? Yeah, it was. And uh, I remember thinking, me now, okay, all these years later, me, Matt, the quarterback, a quarterback, and J.J. Johnson, the former running back, combined weighed more than our offensive linemen do now added up. <laughs> They're all skinny, all five of them. They've got it figured out. J.J. and I were making up for it. We're over here. Back in 18. Just eating Christmas tree cakes yeah. in October. And making dip out yeah. of Little David Christmas tree cakes. It'll be fun. Mary Liddy will get to wear her Wyatt number 7 jersey. Yeah, that'll be fun. She's always excited to go. So I'm looking forward to that this weekend also. Well, and your Ole Miss wife is proud of you. Well, I appreciate that very much. Blush. Blush, blush. All right, so you're off to do bigger and better things? Happy Halloween, Beaver and everybody. All right. That's it for Anna Beth on today's show. More from me and B. we got some more for you coming up next. Stick around in the Bureau. Ready to talk sports the Mississippi way with you. So get in on the conversation and tell him what you think. All right, back with you. Staying connected because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire. Customer inspired. Check them out at cspire.com. On this day in 1974, the 100th episode of this show aired on ABC. And if you know what that is, you're old as I Yeah, that would be the odd couple and uh, the two guys who were on the sitcom were different than the movie. Right. Yeah. So you had the TV show, uh, 100th episode of it on night on this day in 1974 on ABC. The movie Odd Couple was Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon. Uh, so that was different. Also, on this day in 1998, about the time that our 98 team was winning ball games and going to get a chance to go to Atlanta and that whole deal. The 900th episode of this show aired on television. 1998. The Soul Train! <laughs> Soul Train! 
I'm talking about the 900th episode was in 98. How many episodes of the Soul Train? Now, here's what we're going to do. Okay, everybody who's listening live right now in the Jackson Metro, Central Mississippi, all parts unknown. Here's what I'm going to do. All of you that grew up fans and watched Soul Train, I'm going to hit this again, and I want every last one of you to do it with the guy and say, Soul Train. All right, here we go. Here's your chance. The Soul Train. <laughs> There you go. So that uh, the 900th episode of Soul Train aired on this day in 1998. All right, what did they say? Let's start with Zach Arnett, head coach, Mississippi State. Press conference yesterday. Here he is talking about Auburn. We'll go both sides of the ball there. I mean, defensively, uh, uh, disappointed with the execution in the first half. Um, and obviously got, got shredded pretty good. I think I had 300 yards offense in the first half and just never really got off the field other than maybe one drive where uh, we had him. Special teams pin them down there, you know, inside the 15, and I think we we did get a three and out there. Um, so didn't didn't execute well enough in the in the first half, let the game get away from us too much, and then uh, by the time we we started really turning on and, and playing pretty good, uh, the game was too far out of hand, and time becomes your biggest enemy. Then offensively, uh, you know, when you're without your starting quarterback and starting tailback, you know, points are going to be a little tougher to come by. But either way. You get trips inside the red zone. You got to find a way to come away with touchdowns. Uh, it's very difficult to win, win in today's game of football, kicking field goals. Uh, it, obviously, that takes a special defensive performance, and we were not playing that that well on Saturday. And so, you got to find a way to you got to find a way to convert red zone trips into touchdowns. So that's a little bit uh, from Zach Arnett yesterday, looking back at that Auburn game. And yeah, when you look at the flow of the game again. You know, Auburn's up, what, 24 to 3 at halftime. And State only gave up a field goal in the second half, but their early drives, okay, their first possession, eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Their next possession, five plays, 75 yards, touchdown. I mean, and it's an Auburn offense that can't move the ball very much and has had a lot of struggles at times, you know. And they touched it twice, and they've got 150 yards of offense and two touchdowns on the board. And you're not even out of the first quarter yet. So talk about starting the game poorly. They really did start it poorly. Hard to recover from that. I mean, they all the, the minutes and all the points matter. Uh, I think you got a question about intensity or lack thereof. Offensively, they opened up the first the first play. It was a dynamic, explosive pass play, right? And so uh, – no, I don't think I don't think maybe I'm uh, I, I said this to the team last week, so I'll say it here. Right? I, I think there's three ways you prepare for a football game. Right? Obviously you prepare mentally. Right? That's what all this time in the film room and, and studying your opponent is all about and getting into your game plan so you know exactly what your keys are, where your eyes are supposed to be. Right? I mean you have to pre- prepare mentally for a game. So you're, where you're not thinking while you're playing. Right? By that point You've done all the preparation. Now you're just letting your natural instincts play because you know exactly where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be looking at, how you're supposed to react accordingly, right? So you prepare mentally. Obviously, you prepare physically, right? Football is a physical game, right? You have to use the proper techniques and fundamentals and put your body in the right positions in order to be successful because your opponent is doing the exact same thing. 
And oftentimes, right, success or failure on a play comes down to who physically outmans the, you know, the other. Right? So you have to prepare mentally and, and physically for a football game. And then I actually, I believe you have to prepare emotionally for a football game, right? You only get 12 of these opportunities, right? They're incredibly important. Right? You have to get yourself worked up into a state uh, that, you know, different than practice, different than practice. And so, uh, and sometimes you can, well, coaches and players, when you watch film, you can see a team who is uh, emotionally jacked up to play, and, and you see times on film where it doesn't look that way. Uh, and so I try to encourage all of our players that all, all three aspects that I just mentioned, you have to spend the week preparing in all, all of those ways if you're going to be the best player you can be and play at your maximum capability. Right? There's what your natural talent is capable of, and then there's what you are actually capable of, which is always a little bit more. And that's, that comes down to more than just physical ability. And so I think that's more what I was referencing. And that's a little bit from Zach Arnett yesterday. Of course, kickoff Kentucky this weekend, 6.30 Saturday night. Um, Ole Miss going to host Texas A&M. Lane Kiffin yesterday and talking about Jimbo Fisher. There's some reports that Jimbo might be on the hot seat. Just what are some of the challenges um, when you are coaching with kind of that pressure on you? And is it possible that kind of his guys rally around him, play even maybe a little bit harder for him? Uh, I don't know that. I mean, I think people said he was on the hot seat last year, so I don't know that the rally around player thing works. Um, you know, it's part of the profession. And, you know, I think that it just goes with it. So. You just got to go back to work and um, do the best that you can every week. More from Lane Kiffin. No, I mean this team's way too talented to look at. He he got he. Let me jump in here. He got a question about guarding against looking ahead to Georgia and it affecting the game against you know A and M this weekend. Had um, if they were, they got woken up this morning when we showed them the film. So. I know I've said it a number of times. I mean, this is like an NFL roster of talent collected and put together. Um, and now it's even harder than it was the last two years to beat them because now they have Bobby Bobby Petrino running the offense. So um, this is a, a really, really, really elite, talented team that very easily could be a top-five team in the country. <laughs> I... I guess maybe I'm a little bit, you know, jaded by a lot of the other stuff from the press conference with uh, Lane Kiffin that made it out there on social media yesterday. And you could see that there's a couple of times where, you know, he's insinuating that they are very, very talented and that, you know, their record maybe doesn't indicate how talented they are. And with all these players that have been recruited and NFL type roster, it's, you know, they, they could be a top five team. Well, they're not. I mean, he just said that, right? And then he goes earlier, he says, they're even harder to play now because they got Bobby Petrino running the offense. Well, who was running the offense before? Jimbo Fisher was. <laughs> I mean, he just, it was almost like at every opportunity yesterday, Coach Kiffin really didn't hesitate to without just coming right out and saying it, 
to paint a very clear picture that he feels like they're not very well coached and haven't been. What do you think? That's that's one way it sort of came across. At any rate, we're going to find out on Saturday night. Um, I, I, you know, the feeling that I got, I say Saturday night, I meant Saturday. It's an 11 a.m. game. Rooster called yesterday, and he was talking about going to both. He said he's going to go to the game in Oxford at 11, and he's going to make it to start with Saturday night at 6.30 for that one. I guess you could do that probably. Um, some of the games have been shortened up this year for sure. And I guess we'll find out. I just, you know, it, everything I heard from Coach Kiffin yesterday sort of indicated to me that he he seems very confident that they fixed to put it on Texas A&M in Oxford this weekend. <laughs> That's the way it came across to me. David and Brandon said, would you disagree with anything Kiffin said? No, I wouldn't. That's what I'm saying, David. I, would, I don't think anybody would. <laughs> and he just came right out and said, I mean, they're harder to play now because they got Petrino running the offense. Well, before it was Jimbo. <laughs> All right, for Beaver, I'm Matt. All of us here on the show, we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. See you.